Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everybody. Today's episode is the audio cast from the LinkedIn live conversation that Irenka Krone and Nina Prohaska had with me this morning. We talked about multiple aspects of job sharing, in particular, how intergenerational job sharing works and what benefit it's providing. We also spoke about the fact that some people are concerned that job sharing or offering job sharing will be a more expensive method than simply offering full-time positions. And last but certainly not least, we spoke about what type of communication mechanisms or tools there are to ensure that there is nothing missed in between handing over from one person within the job sharing team to the other person. So if you are interested in job sharing, this is definitely a great episode to listen to. Hi, Hello. Karen. It is so nice to see you both again. Nina and Irenka, welcome to LinkedIn Live Conversations. Irenka and Nina were the inaugural guests for my podcast and the inaugural guests for LinkedIn Live Conversations. And today they are back because we would like to talk some more about job sharing because there are so many aspects about job sharing. And so today we would like to start talking more about intergeneral job sharing. And maybe, Irenka, would you like to start to kind of give people who might not have ever heard about that concept a bit of an idea what it really is? Mm -hmm. The so-called intergenerational job sharing is a job sharing which is enforced, implemented by two persons who have at least a different of age of 10 years. That means two different generations. And it's a very interesting model because it gives the opportunity to elder people to work with younger and to be able to transfer their knowledge from one side to the other one and vice versa. Thank you. And um, could you like Nina or Irenka, give me an example, maybe like recently that you have been working with or that has been in the news about um, two people doing that very concept? Mm -hmm. yeah. One prominent example in Switzerland is a well-known cookie manufacturing company that is in family position. Mm -hmm. And there they introduced also for the handover and the phasing out and the switch of generation, they started to work with a job sharing between a person that is more at the end of his career and a person that is much younger. So on the one hand, they can benefit from that long-standing experience of the person that is older, who's been with the company for many years, who knows the ins and outs and the sector. So that person brings that whole know-how. And the younger person 
who is fresher with regard to, you know, what are trends today in marketing and positioning that is certainly more familiar with the whole digital world, which is an extremely important aspect. I think this is a good example. And that example, what is interesting is a family company called Hoog in Switzerland. And the lady is, in fact, the niece of the person. And she's much younger and she wouldn't have done this by herself. So that was an interesting example. And I have also another example for you, Karin, today and for the listeners. We are just coaching a very interesting duo, a tandem. It's a lady. She's 62 years old. She saw <laughs> this model in a newspaper and she asked us to advise her to coach her in a transition period where she wants to work with a younger colleague of her. He's 32 years old, so they have 30 years of differences. And she thinks that after one year, he will then be able to work in a top sharing or to work by himself. So they're doing that in a transitional period during one year, 30 years of differences. But she looks very young. We can't see the difference of age so much. <laughs> but I, I think that's just amazing because often people think, well, you know, there are generational differences. And as you say, I, you know, I am always of the opinion, you know, age is just a number. And there is so much to be gained for both parties to work together. And I really like the idea also to have it as a succession plan so that you can really plan that ahead and the transfer of the knowledge. And um, now what I'm also curious about is, is there some type of intergenerational job sharing that say if somebody is coming back to paid work after a longer period of absence, mm -hmm. and absence and there may be somebody else who is already working there. And so there's also some transfer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Karin, maybe just before we go to that question, I just picked yeah. up on something you said, which I think extremely important. You said that diversity is big. There's mm -hmm. a substantive diversity. I think it's important to stress that the diversity factor is what makes a job sharing so interesting because you have two people, you have two minds, you have two attitudes, you have two ways of you know, um, addressing issues. So also if you have that diversity in age, you have the diversity I think is the factor that is enriching a shop sharing and that is one of its biggest competitive advantages I think. So the diversity is not the enemy of the job sharing, the diversity is a friend of the job sharing, if you could say it like this. So with this, I go back to what you asked about leaving the workforce before you, because you have a child and you come back. I think Irenka has, has examples there. Yes, not the example of a mom coming back. Another example, you have examples of people who are 15 plus losing their jobs, for example, and they want to re-enter the market. And this is a big, big issue in our country, in Switzerland, where we see how many difficulties that generation has once a person just... Uh, just loses his job or her job and is 50 years and plus. It's very hard to get interviews when you're applying. And what we could see now, we're also supporting now certain associations to help those people to apply with a person who is 10 years or 15 years younger than they are because they are much more attractive on the market. Those people who are 50 and plus have a long careers, have had also leading positions, but they're very expensive on the market. And when they're applying, people are 
seeing what they just uh, yeah um, presenting but they always think that they're too expensive so when they come with a dual package they have more chances to be interviewed and then to get to this position that's a typical example of work share where we also say now to help those people to enter to enter much better market and companies could also now think about not completely firing people in this COVID crisis, but keeping a percentage, those people on board to let them also be more attractive when they're looking for a new position. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's like, you know, there are so many positive aspects. Now, one of the questions that often comes up and you, like, you know, you were just talking about costs. Sometimes people think, well, you know, when I'm um, hiring a job sharing pair, isn't that going to be much more expensive because of the, you know, additional costs from a um, um, social security, no, what is it called in English, social insurance, you know, and, and like all these additional employee focused costs. So what, what do you, can you share to people who are still skeptical about it because they perceive it to be a more costly way of having an employee so or a full-time position um you know um filled mm -hmm. Nina do you like <laughs> I think the the straight answer is it's more expensive in the short run mm -hmm. and it's less expensive in the mid long term and as a company you're looking for sustainability so you want to fill a person with people who stay because nothing is more expensive than switching people or having to get in new people so at the beginning, yeah, you're recruiting two people, you have two work equipments, you have the, the onboarding is for two people, etc. People have to get used to get to know themselves, etc. So it's more costly. But in the long run, you will have people who are more um, who stick with the company because the company offers them an environment that is suitable to their needs. You have people who are more motivated for that. You have people who bring in diverse a diverse view on the job. People are more productive if they work less than 100% also. So this is also something we know. So in the long run, plus you're gaining, you can position yourself as a company that has offers modern work environments. Plus maybe you can fill the position with expertise you wouldn't find. Etc. So there's a multiple, there's a multitude of advantages. I'm sure Ivanka can name some some more mm -hmm. that makes it effectively more cost effective. Mm -hmm. And when you are asking this question, Karin, about the social costs, this is not completely the case because every job sharer has a normal part-time contract. And it's related to the time of activity, to the percentage of activity. That means, for example, if you used to work part-time, as it is the case of many women in Switzerland, for example, you have a, a part-time contract of 60%, and then you change to a job sharing, very often you will work in a 60-60 model that makes 120% in total. But those 20% plus are not related to the information costs of the duo. Very often, those people get more activity. You know, they have more things to do and in, in the whole, you know, in, in the whole schedule of what they're doing. So it's not that we that the employer is paying for additional information costs. 
And the rest, all the question regarding the social cost is exactly the same as if the person would work on a part-time schedule. So there is no difference in that sense. And regarding information cost, that's also very important to mention. At the beginning, as also Nina said, the first time it is different, the first period than the second period. Most of the time that you are investing in exchanging information is not a part paid by the employer, is a part paid by the employee. You do very often that outside your work hours. So it's, it's not that the employer is offering you a lot just to communicate. You have at the beginning to find out how the other person works. Nina and myself will celebrate three years of job sharing in two days. <laughs> and at the beginning, we needed Nina much more time to get along in the sense what was the vision, what was exactly the common activities. So the first four months are much more intense. But that was our free time. We invested a lot to get into this direction together. Thank you so much for sharing, because I think that is exactly another aspect that people are wondering. It's like, you know, am I, as say, a manager of a job sharing team, do I have to figure out who is doing what? And then how does the communication work? How can I ensure that there is nothing lost in the inter, you know, the handing off period? And so I think that that sounds, you know, like, a very good um, way to hear for people to hear that really it is for the employees, the job sharers themselves, that they are trying, you know, that they are figuring that out. So, could you maybe mention some examples as you just celebrated, you know, your third anniversary and with other people you are coaching? What are, say, best practice um, mechanisms or methods to ensure? that the transfer is very efficient and also, you know, that nothing gets uh, lost in the handover. Mm -hmm. I would say that there are two aspects to that, Karin. Mm -hmm. One is really the job, the content, the activities, what you're doing about. And this should always be in the handover in the center, like with a normal job. So you have to make sure that you work your way around what is this job all about what do you need to achieve and how do you get into it and i think there's probably no magical magical solution to it but you have to be structured with regards to the job and you have to invest time for knowledge exchange between parties i think the best is to be quick agile and fast yeah to be fast and, and agile and to depend on communication channels that are easy. So emails, for example, are very heavy, so they are good to read what's going on. But if you exchange, it's better to use chats or to call. I think every couple has to find its, its own way. But you cannot say you're meeting once a week and then you do the handover because the, today things happen during the day, so you have to be quick and responsive. And you probably have to do more often a follow-up the second aspect that is important, I think, a duo needs to establish trust. Without that trust, you cannot really collaborate and work well, even if you're very smart and you have the objectives on the table. And establishing this trust, you need, you need to invest in time. You have to spend time together to get to know each other, to know how the other person works, that you really have that trust. And I think 
trust you can really only build up if you do spend time and you have to invest in this time. Maybe you know your partner before, so it's easier. But if you start fresh as a duo, you have to be ready to invest in this time. And I think this is equally very important. Thank you. And this time could be very intense at the beginning. When we are coaching couples, we always have to tell them that they have to expect in the first four or five months much more work related to this kind of way to find out how the other functions. And what is interesting also for myself, I started now for for 13 years, 14 years ago, my first job sharing. What is so different now are the whole technology regarding the shared points, shared documents. For example, as Nina said, what we are trying to do is to minimize the quantity of emails because emails are very tiring. You have to follow every single message, look if it's important or not. And when we are doing now the handovers, we always working on shared points could be uh, different technologies different softwares and we have a focal point just one word we know that's the topic and then we just develop the content and whenever the next person is on board has a look and just complete the different information last time when we went on vacation this summer for example nina and myself we tried not to do a single email at the end for the handover we just said have a look at this software and you will find all the different topics. And it worked. That is awesome. That, that you know, I, I can really see how technology is helping job sharers to communicate better. So now one other question I'm always curious about, do you have examples of managers who might have been initially a little bit skeptical because of, you know, how is it going to be? How can I communicate? And then, did you know, you might have talked with them a few months into a job sharing um, situation. And what kind of feedback do you hear from managers? I'm always curious and I'm sure our listeners as well. <laughs> Irenka, maybe you want to start? Yes, the, the positive point, Karin, is that they are a little bit less skeptical as they were some 10 years ago when we started. At that time, it was very hard sometimes. They started only with the negative points and we were always on the defensive to explain the things. Now, now there are still people who are reluctant, that's for sure. And the questions they're always raising is not only the information cost between the duos, but when they are sometimes afraid of their communication with two different people who are managing one single job and there are certain bosses who are afraid you know and say hey how can I work with two different people won't that be more, much more complicated than the current situation and then we have also to explain to them that there are different tools which helps them to to enter the system to find the information very quickly without needing to ask one person or the other ones Everything is uncoordinated, it's a shared point, and people can just go and look for the information. The big change today is that you don't have to expect people to provide you the information, you have to ask them to look for the information by themselves. Like on social medias, on news, you are searching the news. And then you have also people who are a little bit kind also of reluctant regarding their relationship between the duos. They're always asking a question when they are just hiring people. Do you think that those people match together? And they're asking for tests, they're asking for different things. And here we have always to answer that, that there is never, never a single yes or no. The whole development of a duo is dynamic. 
you can have the impression that two people fit very well together and you can be then surprised that they don't it doesn't work so it's important to leave the duo find themselves first then work together test it and then develop the whole thing Nina, would you like to add also some points? Yeah, maybe just it's certainly useful to have, you know, to put the coaching on the side of the duo. I think this always helps because managing this relationship, managing a new job, etc., is all very challenging. And it can help to have a more neutral person in between that helps the people to reflect certain aspects of the partnership um, for, for the quality, for the sake of the quality of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is certainly a measure that is useful. Thank you. Yeah, I could imagine like, you know, if it's some duo also that job shares for the first time themselves, they might have questions and might like to know also what somebody who has done it before has experienced. And if, I don't know, you know, something is a very normal thing. And, you know, so then they can reflect back and say, oh, okay, that's something, you know, that a typical job sharing um, team might go through in the beginning and then feel reassured and just uh, march on. And and um, I think what I've been hearing a lot is the um, feeling that people go from being a, you know, focused on oneself and one's um uh, career to going more towards the we aspect of being mm -hmm. focused on the team and the job. And to me, that's like, you know, from a company perspective, I think is, is awesome as well, because they are so invested in fulfilling the position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also at the beginning, when you were starting to coach different tandems, what is important, what they're always asking us is how to get organized, you know, mm -hmm. the most efficiently. And here we show them that we have two different types of job sharing, the hybrid one, which is a little bit more specialized on competences, and the other one, which is more pure, as we call it. And then we show them also different ways to visualize the, the work the workload, the work way you just, you will work together. And that helps them a lot to, to look at models they can find out and then to reproduce the same models for their own team. But, I mean, it's, to me, I always, you know, I, as I'm obviously a big fan of job sharing, I feel there are <laughs> so many positive aspects. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at our time and, um, we are coming towards the end. I just saw we have somebody, unfortunately, it doesn't say the name in the comments who says hello. So mm -hmm. hello to who wrote that um, message to us and very appreciative that you are um, watching and listening to us. And if anybody who is listening and has a particular questions, please put it into the comments. And um, like, as I typically ask in my podcast um, episodes, is there anything that we haven't touched today that you would like to share upcoming events or things that other people would like to hear? Oh, it is Robin Pasche. Hello, Robin. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead, Nina. Uh, a tip that was on my mind is for job sharers to be generous 
in their way towards the other person, in the way they're doing the job. I think being generous is definitely a, a competency that helps um, because no one has the single truth or the single best way of doing something. And then I wanted to raise attention to an event we're having on September 14th in the afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Central European time. It's a knowledge exchange on best practices and good practices, on challenging practices in job sharing. It's a two-hour interactive workshop on, on Zoom. And then it's an event that might be of interest. It's specifically addressed to those already have experience with job sharing, either because they are in a job or in a top sharing, either because they're managing job or top sharers, or people that promote job and top sharing. And you find information on our website. Irenka can tell more on that. Mm -hmm. On Go for Jobshank, you find everything. You can also register directly. It's free, completely free, and we're expecting different examples of best practices. And Nina will moderate the whole thing in English, and we're looking forward to many participants. And I can see that Robin Pash just inserted different, very interesting comments about the five generations, as I can read. Yes, she mentions that it's important to point out that companies now need to consider that we have even five generations in the workplace. The complexity is much bigger than it was before. Yeah. And the return on investment is also important on social sustainable investment. Yeah. Thank you very much to this listener, to Robin, for those comments. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know what? We will also be sure to put a link um, for your event, Nina, into the comments once this transfers into, you know, the replay. So for people who are listening later, they can um, then um, also register through that. Thank you, Patty. Well, you're very welcome. It's been so nice to talk to you guys again because I feel it's just so important to share more awareness of job sharing around the world so people who are initially might have never heard of it are initially a bit maybe confused even well how can that work to hear the positive um insights you have in all your experience over so many years so thank you very much for coming onto the show and giving more examples and your, you know, sharing your experience. Thank you for inviting us again, Karen. It's always a big pleasure to be with you and to talk about this very important topic. Thank you for having provided the opportunity, Karin. Thank you. You're very welcome. And so what I will do as we are leaving, I'm going to put on to a slide so people can also see how they can connect to you in general on LinkedIn and um, the information about the website as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you, Karen. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media. 
so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.